This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 192 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Equestrian Collections and Kentucky Performance Products. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show with our producer Glenn as well. Hey guys. Good. Well, there well, was I... a big dressage week last week, wasn't there? It was a big week. It really was. And I have to be honest, I unfortunately had to miss it. I was home uh, in Kentucky for a few days. I had um, an obligation to go home. So I missed it, which was such a bummer. Um, but I do hope that everybody, um, I was in the tornadic weather uh, that went through. So I hope everybody is safe and sound and all your horses are good. It was uh, it was really scary weather there yesterday and, and a little bit today. So um Philip, did you get any of that yucky weather? It's or you just have yucky been weather? Horrible all the <laughs> you time. Just have yucky okay. so. He's buried in snow. Snow is covering the roof of the house. Yeah, he's <laughs> again, ladies. One more week of crankiness. Soon, Philip. No, I'm down. not going to be cranky about it. I was cranky last week. I'm not cranky about it this week. It's fine. It's just a reality. Um, I was really interested to uh, to read all the articles coming out of Wellington about the Masters. We've got, uh, I think, two great guests on today yeah we have have? some friends of the we have friends of um of the show we have mary lawrenson and jody kelly that they both went to the masters and they both also went to the global dressage forum so um i'm really looking forward to their perspective uh each of them they'll be different and uh you'll get to see kind of two different points of view and we have nicholas fife who actually was um had to with sadly withdraw from the masters but he is coming on to do a trainer tip for us. So um, it should be a really action-packed show. Yeah, I understand that Nicholas is an Australian rider who is now kind of based in Wellington. Is that right? Yeah, and I think in the, in the summer he's in Canada. Am, am I right with that? Yeah, actually I saw him at a couple shows up here. So uh, yeah, that's a world-traveling guy. Exactly. So he'll be really interesting and I look forward to his tip. But Philip, tell us a little bit about the results from the Masters. Well, it looks like Tina Williamson-Sylvan and Don Arillo won the freestyle, and her teammate, Patrick Kittle, won the Grand Prix with Watermill Scandic. Yeah, and, um, and then uh, Patrick was second in the freestyle, and um, apparently Tina, if you can watch it online, uh, was absolutely phenomenal. So it it would be worth it would be worth taking a look at it, and I know it's online, um, and I I need to also watch it. But um, and then Steph, Stephen Peters was third in the freestyle, and uh, I think he had a lot of fun. It was Legolas's kind of first time uh, in in a big show like that down here. So I think all the everything was was quite good from him, and Heather Blitz was fourth. So um, and then Lars Peterson was fifth. So it was a good it was a good freestyle night for everybody. So how did we do with our predictions? Did anybody get it right? I didn't. Uh, I didn't. No, I didn't either. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, we, you know, we all had kind of our, our some of our favorite riders <laughs> yeah. in the top spots, yeah. and, and nobody predicted. Uh, you, you know, I think how, I got it. I think I got uh, the you know the top three right. I just didn't get the placings right. So. Yeah. Uh, I know. Well, bummer. Did you anybody have mine? We had some people play on Facebook, so I, I don't. I'd have to look back and see uh, if anybody anybody got I, it. I, I think um, I think that uh, Don Aurelio uh, threw us threw us a curve here. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I had seen oh. him the weekend before, and he is wonderful. And I think um, she was really smart. She brought him to the CDI the week before the Masters, and he was really tense. But you could see there were moments that were just phenomenal and so uh, she did a really smart writing thing and and took him to the CDI and was really prepared um, because the master's evening is really really busy and crazy so it was good to uh, it was it was smart on her part and also Patrick Kittle had ridden the week before so he did the same thing Uh, Stefan did not have Legolas in that competition and um, Heather Blitz rode in the open show so she didn't do the do the um, CDI part. So, yeah, it was really, really um, a smart move on her part, and he was able to settle down because uh, it is so electric in that arena for Masters Night, and everybody's there and partying and having a great time, and you have the um, 
the VIP tables right by the ring. So you have people eating and drinking and glasses and, you know, the whole nine yards. So, um, it's, it's a really, it's a fun event. And I do, uh, next year, uh, if you can get down to see it, uh, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, I did hear that Edward Gall sadly had to withdraw from the freestyle. Um, he had, poor guy had the flu came to, came to America and then got the flu. So he did not ride. Didn't he get the flu for something else too? Uh, I, I'm not sure. We talked about. But, yeah, okay. mm, I'm not sure, but he um, Hans Peter Mendenhall uh, rode his horse uh, as an part of for an exhibition, so everybody got to see see his horse. But uh, poor guy, that that was kind of a sad. That's sad really news. disappointing. Yeah, to ship yeah. the horse all the way over, and uh, and I don't know whether how long they're staying or whether they're going to compete, uh, you know, in, in another show. But uh, that would be really disappointing to to get sick. Too sick to ride, sort of thing. Yeah, but the flu has been awful this year. I don't know if it's the same way in Canada, but boy, it's been. Yeah, I guess you know, in New York, they're declaring kind of emergency states of. Yeah, I mean, half half our hosts on the network here are out. So I mean, it's just it's been bad. Yeah. So poor guy, he got it. So uh, so he had to withdraw from from the competition. So, um, but it was interesting. an interesting week, and I can't wait to hear from uh, Mary and Jody about their perspectives. And right. also, there was a great program here. Uh, it was the Global Dressage Forum that actually North Jody- America. North yes, America. North America. I'll put I'm sorry. that yeah. in, right? Yes, yes. There's a bit of North controversy America. back and forth between the GDF in Europe and the GDF in. They're not affiliated, right? And that's they're, they're uh, ex- that's what I understand. Yeah, using so. the same name, so we'll just call it the GDF. North, North America. America, yes, exactly. Listeners so, too. yeah, so they're going to talk to us a little bit about um, who was there. So, just some of the some of the clinicians were Stefan Stammer, Bo Jenna, Ingrid Klemka, Dr. Hillary Clayton, Wolfgang Wittig, uh, Ann Gribbins, Kathy Connolly, Betsy Steiner, Leslie Reed, John uh, Jan Ebling, Felicitas von Newman Cassell, Christoph Hess, Stephen Clark, Wilm Ernst. Keep going. Gary Walkwell, <laughs> Dave, Dave Brad, Lyndon Gray, 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 and Blanks. Sue Blanks. So, I mean, I, I, this one I was really sad I was out of town for. So I can't wait uh, because those panelists, there are some phenomenal people on there and, and really an amazing thing. So, top, yeah. top names in that. So I, I really yeah. want to know how that went. With so well, me too. Let's find out. Let's get uh, Mary. Now, Mary uh, uh, Lawrenson actually is one of the young riders that we have followed here on the Horse Radio Network on the various shows for years. And she's probably been on three or four different shows here on the Horse Radio Network, including the morning show. She gives us uh, regular updates every couple months on dressage. Uh, So uh, we're looking forward to having her on. But let's take a break for Equestrian Collections, and then we'll be right back with Mary. Hi, Glenn here, founder of the Horse Radio Network, and I am with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with Equestrian Collections Product of the Week. This time of year... The mares, the early foals are beginning to arrive. The thoroughbreds that are specifically bred to be foaling in January, sometimes um, the the mares that caught a little bit later in the year, they're foaling now during a cold time of the year. And so you want to have on hand a foal blanket so that if you do have a foal in the cold that you have something you can wrap him up in. The one I'm featuring this week is the Weatherbeta Growing Foal Stable Blanket. And I featured this one because it is so adjustable. It adjusts from 42 inches to 57 inches, which is a lot. So you only need the one. It's 180 grams of polyfill, which is a little bit less than medium weight, so it's really good. It's a stable blanket, so it's for when you're there inside. So it's really good for, um, you know, a little bit more than lightweight and a little bit less than medium weight. So it's really good for that. And it's a 300 denier, so it's really strong. And it comes from Weather Beetle, which is, of course, a very well-known brand. So I thought that this would be a really good thing for those of you who are expecting winter foals to maybe consider keeping on hand. And it's only $50, so it's a real good safety feature for early spring foaling. And you can find them at equestriancollections.com. Just search for Weatherbeater Growing Foal Stable Blanket at equestriancollections.com. Well, we're 
really happy to have Mary Lawrenson on the Dressage Radio Show, finally, to have her on our show. She's a good friend of the Horse Radio Network. And Mary, you went to the Masters and also the GDF, the Global Dressage Forum, North America. So we are looking forward to hearing about, if we can start with the Masters, can you tell us Mm -hmm. and all our listeners a little bit about what happened at the Masters? Sure. Well, I only attended the freestyle night of the Masters. The evening kicked off with a demonstration um, of Edward Gall with his partner, Hans-Peter Minderhund, um, and they did a really interesting um, demonstration just showing their techniques and also um, for those in the audience that weren't familiar with the uh, Grand Prix dressage test, they went through all the movements. So we did have an opportunity to see Hans ride Edward Gall's horse uh, into four next one, I believe it was. And, um, unfortunately Edward had to scratch due to a flu and Hans, um, was having some apparent issues with his horse. So both of them scratched for their competition, but we were really lucky that we at least got to see, um, some of their technique and riding into the game of the evening. And then we just had a really great, um, list of riders that ran, that rode through the evening. My favorite, of course, was the winner, which was Tina Wilhelmsen and her horse, Don Aurelio. And she just had a spotless test, one that, you know, was definitely in a class of its own. So the Swedish did very well at this competition, including Patrick Kittle, who was also here competing. I also saw some riders that I hadn't seen perform before that were here from Europe. Of course, I'm a huge fan of Stefan Peters, and he had a fantastic test as well on his um, his new mount, Legolas. So there were some really great rides for everybody to see that evening. For somebody that wasn't there, can you tell us, a, well, I'm interested in the training session before the competition. Can you t- tell sure. us maybe um, something that you took away from it or something that you gleaned from from how they how they ride or, and train? Um, I would say, you know, that they tend to ride their horses a little bit deeper and rounder at the beginning. So they showed just a very basic warm-up and then ran through the Grand Prix. I would say, though, one of the things I probably took away from it was just the intense attention to detail, which we all obviously strive for. But watching these two and watching the Dutch system, obviously they've done very, very well throughout the years, um, you could see just the attention to detail and and um, Hans, you know, would maybe make a mistake and while him and Edward were working together, they would go right back to the movement um, and drill it over again and then show, you know, exactly what they corrected. For instance, the pirouettes on the center line from the Grand Prix, you know, um, the horse stepped out and then he would immediately bring the horse right back to it. I, I would say probably the biggest thing to note was just their attention to detail and the repetition of the movements if, if it wasn't 100%. No, I think that's a, such a good observation, too, because, Mary, at the trainer's conference with Stefan Peters the week before, he was the same way. He was absolutely yeah. spot on with details, and I think that was one of the things that I took away. So it's interesting that, you know, here you have two a, a different camp. Uh, with Hans Peter and with Edward, and you know, seeing the same thing uh, is just another good reminder for all of us. Attention to detail—that's that's where we get our points. So, exactly. uh, can you talk a little bit for people that weren't there about the atmosphere of the Masters? The atmosphere was the atmosphere was good. Um, I've been lucky enough to attend the last three dressage Masters that have been held in Wellington. It was a little bit disappointing uh, because the seats were not full. Um, last year, they definitely had more um, more of a crowd, and so it was a bit of a shame to see that, um, especially some of the VIP tables that are quite expensive were not full this year. And I had heard complaints leading up to the leading up to the competition. You know that that the tickets are very expensive, and to put on such a big show, of course, they need that sort of income to really make the production go smoothly and, and look beautiful, but. There were definitely more people this year that opted not to come and watch the evening. Well, it sounds like a really wonderful night anyways for all those that did go. Uh, maybe we could switch gears and move on to the, the Global Dressage Forum North America and how, sure. how that went. Yeah. This is something I was very excited about and I've been looking forward to for months. Um, of course, many of us dressage people are, know about the Global Dressage Forum that happens over in Europe. Um, at the Bartles Academy, and that's been going on for a number of years. So the two, so there's a lot of controversy about it being held here in the United States by someone different and under a similar name. It 
was an absolute pleasure to have the caliber of trainers and riders at in, in the U.S. for a change. Uh, we just had an incredible panel, you know, from from Stefan and on to people such as uh, Arthur Kotas and Wolfram Wittig, all these people that we rarely get to see here in the United States. And I was, it was just, it was a great two days, absolutely jam-packed with information, great demonstrations, interesting interviews, and there was just a wealth of information to walk away with. And I think it was especially beneficial to any of the trainers that are here in Wellington or the people that traveled from other places to attend the forum. It was, there was a, a, a lot to take away from it. So who, who and, and or what was your favorite demonstration? I would have to say it was really, it was really interesting getting to know Ingrid Klimka a bit more. Um, basically, how it, it ran with most of the um, most of the presenters was that Andreas, who managed the whole forum, would take the uh, the trainer aside and have a really nice sort of personal interview over in his little uh, couch area. It was sort of like watching a television show. And after that, you know, they'd go on and do an actual demonstration. And as many people know, Ingrid Klimka is not only a renowned dressage trainer, but has also done very well in the eventing uh, world. And so she, you know, has this great approach to combining, you know, jumping and cross country with her dressage training and feels that a horse is a horse and that she can improve her jumpers and she can improve her dressage horses working over fences or working on the flat. And um, she sat on a stallion, a five-year-old stallion that's uh, bred here in the U.S. for the first time, and she sort of ran the audience through her um, her typical training session. And just like I mentioned earlier with that attention to detail and repetition, if something doesn't go quite the way that we want it to, she was very careful to repeat a corner if the horse fell in or repeat an exercise if it didn't go exactly the way that she had hoped for. But she also included some cavaletti, which she's really famous for and what her father obviously was known for as well. Just showing really how to balance the dressage horse's mind and body by using things more than just, you know, a a 20 by 60 dressage arena and really, you know, having the horses work outdoors on different surfaces and over fences. And she just had some really interesting ideas um, about really the well-being of the horse and letting them get excited by their work by changing things up, you know, day to day. No, I'm a little cur- a little more curious about uh, the format of the GDF. Now, I-, I understand they introduced a certain trainer in the demonstration, um, but how were the other trainers involved? How was the audience involved? How did that all go together? Well, so basically the schedule was that it started at 1 o'clock and ran up until almost 10 p.m., which is one of probably the negative things about the event, and it was a bit long, especially for us, for people that have to get up so early. You know, I think that next year will probably be even better organized and that hopefully that they can make some of the presentations a little shorter and sweeter. You know, they had a, a great panel of judges and trainers also that after a particular rider or trainer was interviewed and gave a demonstration, they had a panel that was sitting up on stage um, throughout the whole presentation that they would then turn to and the panel would open discussion. And the discussion would be held between, say, Ingrid um, and Gribbins, Kathy Conley. Um, they had people such as Stephen Clark up there. They had a really great panel that would then open up this whole can of worms with the trainer and sort of talk over their demo and their philosophies. So that was definitely the, the best part. The demonstrations were great in themselves, but then it would be really um, sort of exciting to see what some of our best trainers and uh, our top judges would then say about the particular trainer's views. As far as incorporating the audience, there were a few times opportunities for the audience to come down and ask a question over the microphone. So it was nicely interactive in that way. I think overall it was, it was run very well. Excellent. And so, Mary, tell us a little, I'm curious on how they did the long lining and sort of maybe a little bit of alternative training. How did they introduce that? Well, that was really interesting because I, here in the U.S., it, it's such a, it's such an art, the long lining. 
and you don't see it done so often here. Um, Kathy Conley, you know, one of our American trainers, is of course really well known for for her work on the long lines. But other than that, you know, you don't hear very often about a trainer taking a time out of their week to long line their horses. And Bo Jenna from Sweden was. He is a master at long lining, and you you really have to know what you're doing when you're long lining a horse. And he, he makes it look so easy, but many of us know how difficult it really is. And so his demonstration, he used two different horses, one that was a little more advanced than the other, and he was able to perform, um, you know, everything from a turn on the forehand to leg yield to um, to pee off. That was really really amazing to see and I'm so happy that they actually did a live demonstration of that. I remember one thing that I that I wrote down was the fact that, you know, I guess he was asked at one point, you know, how often do you long line your horses? And he said, well, how often do you ride? You can ride as much as you long line. He doesn't think that, you know, he thinks, you know, as long as you can do it well, you can long line a horse just as well as you ride it. So I thought that was a really, you know, interesting remark of his. So I, I certainly enjoyed that, and I was I was really great. I was really grateful that I got to see that in person. Well, Mary, thank you for coming on and discussing the whole exciting dressage week uh, last week of of Wellington, and and for the people that weren't able to go down there. Um, how does everybody find you on the internet? Well, you can find me. My website is temporarily down, but you can find me on windhorsedressageacademy.com. That's our training business. Um, and I'm also very active on Facebook if you search Mary Lauritsen. And I'm also on Twitter, and my username is Mary Dressage. She tweets a lot. Oh, I okay. tweet a lot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big tweeter. Great. Well, thank you so much for the interview. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on again. After this word from Kentucky Performance Products, we're going to talk with Jody Kelly of Jody Kelly Dressage about her experience um, at the Global Dressage Forum as well. Well, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know we talk a lot about Kentucky Performance Products, and that's because they are a name you can trust to give you the most value for your supplement money. Kentucky Performance Products offers supplements designed to target specific problems that are made with high-quality ingredients included at effective levels. The company's supplements are intended to complement, not compete, with your dressage horse's current feeding program, guarding against over-supplementation, and each product is backed by sound research and the money-back satisfaction guarantee. And today, we'd like to talk to you about Nalox, the original equine antacid. It's recommended by veterinarians and leading horsemen as a way of maintaining a healthy stomach, which reduces the risk of ulcers. Nalox can be given daily to horses exposed to stressful conditions or as needed when shipping, competing, or during stall confinement. You know, you can learn about Nalox and all the products at Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. That's Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, I am so happy to have a friend of the Dressage Radio Show, Jody Kelly, back on for her second time. And she is going to uh, also give us her perspective on the Global uh, Dressage Forum North America. So, Jody, uh, tell us about who was your favorite. Um, I, you know, I just have to say, first of all, I'm so glad that they're doing this and, and starting this up here in Wellington. And it's such a great experience for all of us. And I, you know, it, it definitely had a few glitches, but it's kind of one of those that everybody has to be there for the first one and have a first one in order for it to get rolling. And, and it was just, I thought it was such a great, great experience for everybody. Um, I, I thought all of the people were, were really great and really um, perfectly, it, it was a perfect variation of people and different things that were talked about. So nothing really got repetitive, nothing got... Um, too too long and too you know none of of course nothing was boring it was all interesting but there's only so much you can you can take in at one time but everything was different enough that it was like a whole new subject each time but I have to say out of all of the all of the clinicians and all of the the lectures Ingrid Klimkler was I actually posted on Facebook that she's my new hero um, I just thought she was such a breath of fresh air and 
so friendly and so, I mean, I'd like to say so easy to talk to, but I wasn't talking to her, but she just was so, it was so great to listen to and, and fun and just made ride, like just listening to her made you want to go gallop on your horse, your dressage horse or your jumper or whatever it is that you ride. You just made it, she made you want to go have fun with your horse. And I think that was the biggest thing is she, she spoke about her training and she spoke about her, um, her different groups of horses that she has. Cause she of course does the eventing at world level and also does the dressage. And she was speaking about each of her groups of horses and she has her event horses and she has her dressage horses, but the common denominator with everything was fun, you know, and of course, obviously there's, it's serious because she, she does the Olympics and she does these huge Grand Prix, but, but everything is fun, you know, and she just reminds, it was just a, such a great reminder that at the end of the day, riding is fun. And, and I loved it. It just was so enlightening and she rode a young horse and, and it was a dressage horse that in the end, she actually jumped him a little bit. All of her dressage horses jump a little bit. Of course, her eventers, um, do dressage and it just is, um, was a really great variation of, of what you just don't normally see in the everyday dressage ring, you know? Um, the, the other one that I really loved, of course, was Stefan. He's, he's always a crowd favorite and he's always, He's, again, also very interactive with the crowd. Um, what I really, truly enjoyed, too, um, was in the beginning of every of every session with each new clinician, they had, you know, like couch time. They literally had little white couches off to the side. And um, Andreas would take them over and sit with them. And I, I think that some people felt that that got a little too long-winded. I personally loved it because it's, and it was truly what they called getting to know whoever, Stefan, Ingrid. And they spoke very frankly about um, just day-to-day life, um, their fitness things, like how Ingrid balances with her, her husband and her kids. Um, just They just spoke about them. It wasn't training. It wasn't how to get your horse to do this, this, or this. It was just who they are and how they um how they live this life. And I think that's such a challenge for everybody to find that balance and figure out how literally how to live this crazy life of, of horses and, and still have family and still have friends and still balance it. And they all spoke a lot about that and a lot of their just approaches to, to things outside the arena that you did, wouldn't always see um, from a training perspective. You know, I thought that was, that was really special from, from all, from all of them. We heard about it. Every one of them, um, went to the couch for just a little while. And I really appreciated that part. Now, were there other things that you enjoyed about the format of the GDF or maybe things that you find found didn't work so great? Yeah. You know, I thought the format was really good. I honestly went into it, not with, with zero expectations. I, I really had, no idea how they were going to do it. No idea what was going to happen. Um, I was really surprised to walk in the first day and there was a big curtain and it was just like there was no arena. And I was like, hmm, how's this going to work? And and I thought it was really cool because they, just obviously, I mean, I was, we were at the Jim Brandon Arena, so I knew the arena was behind the curtain. But it was neat how they had it set up and they pulled the curtains back and um, and there was the arena and they do the demo and then they close them. So I thought all of that was really neat. I thought it was set up fantastic. Um, I actually read on Brian O'Connor's Facebook that he that the venue was really difficult for them to set up with different logistics and stuff. But from my perspective, from the spectators' perspective, I didn't see anywhere that they had had any issues. They covered it up really well. We could hear very well. We could see. I, I feel like everybody from all perspectives could see everything really well. Um like I said, I really liked the couch time. What they did is they went from the couch time to then the instructor would go either some of them rode, some of them taught, or they did a little bit of both. And then the panel, um, they they had a panel for each person to to have discussions with. And um, I thought that was really neat. I kind of feel like they maybe could have figured out how to get the panel a little bit more interactive, like because they ended up sitting there for a large portion of the time. Um, and these are all, you know, these are all pretty, res- very respected and, um, you know, so to speak, experts in their own way. 
that, I don't know, I think maybe they could have utilized them just a little bit more somehow, but I'm not really sure how, um, just to get it a little bit more of a, of a conversation, you know, of a working, going back and forth. Um, I would love to have maybe somehow gotten a little bit more crowd interaction too, as far as us being able to ask questions because the panel would ask questions at the end of the seminar, at the end of each uh, ride or demo. Um, but they were questions, of course they were very good questions because they were questions that they had come up with. But I, as I was writing, you know, sitting there writing down um, notes and I was coming up with all different questions of my own, um, wishing that I had a way to do that. And they did do that with one person um, at the end, they had a little bit of extra time. They had a little bit of crowd. And, of course, that was the one person I didn't have any questions for. Um, but I think that would have been something that, and you know, and you run that risk of getting ridiculous questions or the questions that are people ask that are specific to their one particular horse. But um, I think they would ha- they could have a way of, of filtering the questions a little bit, you know, and still be able to get, get the, the people a little bit more involved. But overall... I really, really enjoyed it, and um, I thought I thought it was great. I really actually appreciated the fact that it started after lunch. It gave us all a chance to get our horses done, and, you know, everybody there were horse people, of course, and I'd say probably most of them had horses in the area. And it gave us a chance to get the horses done for the day and do all of that and then just really have that time to be able to sit and soak it all in and... Um, yeah, and just be exposed to so many different things. I, I, I really love the... I think one of my favorites was also Bo Jenna with his long lining. Um, I just think he's such a master. And um, I was lucky enough to work with him a few times with one of my mares. And what he can get a horse to do from the ground is just, I think, absolutely amazing. And, I mean, he essentially rides them from, from the ground. And, and he, he did a really, really great demo. And and explained it very well and, and answered some really, really neat questions and um, got me kind of all refreshed to pull my long lines out again. So, um, well, yeah, I want to so hear how that, I want to hear how that, that goes. Cause I, I, I practice, but I still can't get, I can't get, get it. You like know that. What? I love it. I really, I have to say, I love it. Cause I, when he, when I first started to did a clinic with him, I thought, no way, I, this is not going to happen. And and it took me a little while, but the cool thing with him, and, and he, I wasn't working with him here, but when I was working with him, the neatest thing he did was, like, he could actually stand there with me, you know, and there's so many times that I wish that as I'm teaching people that I could actually hold the reins with them, like, put my hands on their hands, and, you know, you can do it when you're standing next to them, but obviously as their horse is cantering around, you can't put your hands over their hands and say, squeeze like this. And he can, and he would actually stand in the middle of the ring with me when I was long lining and like take the, hold the reins a little bit in front of my hands and say, this is what you need to feel. He'd hold the reins a little bit behind mine and say like, he'd feel what I was doing. And, um, it's, it's really, really cool to be able to have that kind of instruction in the moment that your horse is cantering or, you know, things that when you're kind of on your own, when you're riding them, you know? Yeah, um, and he's he's just really gifted with that, and so so quick. Like you watch him, and he just he's one step ahead of. Him. I mean, he's just. I mean, I presume he's pretty masterful on a horse. I personally have never seen him ride. I've only ever seen him with the long lining stuff, and um, he's just like when you see Stefan in the saddle, you know, he's a fraction of a, of a step ahead of every horse. And he knows, he knows that when he does this, this is going to happen and he catches it before it even happens, you know? And, um, and as a result, it just makes the long lining look so easy and so effortless and the things that, you know, and he'd say, okay, now we're going to pick up the counter canner, you know? And I'm like, no way you're going to do that. And sure enough, from, you know, 20 feet away on the long lines, the horse picks up the counter canner and that the horse that he had worked with, I think he said he had long lined it like eight times before. So, you know, it's not like it's the super skilled long lining horse either. Wow. Um, Were there other, any other ones that you enjoyed? Um, yeah, of course I enjoyed them all. Um, I, you know what I think? What was the most, uh, what I really enjoyed the most were the ones that were different, you know? I mean, like, there was no doubt I loved everything about Stefan. Um, but again, I loved the the getting to know him. I loved the panel, the afterwards, all the discussion. Of course, I enjoyed watching him coach um, 
to be honest. It, it, he had a, it was a beautiful mare, actually, that he coached. And that was great, but I think you see that. I, I'm, again, I, it's fantastic, but I think, think you see that more often than not. You know, you have the trainers' conferences down here where you watch um, an amazing rider coach the super horse, and it's all beautiful. Um, but it's the, it was the other things before it and after it um, that I have to say were, were really my favorites. And then the different things, like the, the in-hand um, work was really cool with Arthur Kodas, I think is how you say his last name. Um, I just hadn't seen much of the, in, uh, the, the true in-hand work. I really haven't seen a whole lot of. Um, and I thought he was really neat to see. I actually just went to Vienna to the Spanish Riding School in December for the first time. So it was really fun. He showed a video, and it was all of stuff that happened at the Spanish. There was a lot of Spanish riding school stuff, and there were a lot of things that he did that I had just seen over in Austria. So it was that was kind of fun. Um, but um, so yeah, I think the variation is huge. Like you went from from a, a dressage or basic dressage, um, you know, upper level horses, and then it went to enhanced stuff, and then it went back to another upper level horse, and then it went to a young horse, and then you have Ingrid, who just was the wild card in all directions, and she started her speech off with a, um, with a video of her running cross-country at the Olympics, you know, so you go to a dressage forum, and the first thing we watch is, is her galloping cross-country, and it was, that was actually very cool, because she... It's one thing to watch it, which, you know, I've seen, I watched a lot of the cross country from London, but to watch it with the, the rider standing there saying, at this moment, I was thinking he was going to be tired, but he just surged up the hill. And at this moment, I had to sit and do a little half halt because he just kept going. And then here I had planned to trot, but he was so happy. Like, she, it was really, really cool to hear her go through the entire cross country course with you. And she told us what she was thinking with every every fence, every every gallop, everything. She was she was telling us what her plan was and what her plan ended up being based on how her horse felt. And and it was for her. She said it was like one of the it was like a ride of her life. Like the horse was so with her, and she was he was so happy, and he was so fit. And it just was. I mean, it truly looked effortless, but she. She said it just, it really, truly felt effortless, too, as far as, like, he just was happy and wanted to do it. So that was that was kind of fun, too, like, just to hear her talk about it, and you almost feel like you're in the moment with her. It was really exciting. Incredible. Um, and then, Incredible. Yeah, that, that, sounds, that was really great. neat. And she was just a, a huge breath of fresh air and, and funny, and, and she was just, it was neat. Um so yeah, so it was yeah, overall. I think it was great. They got they had a little scheduling issue the first day, and they got really behind as far as the timing goes. And I think people got a little backed off because of that. Um, but they, you know what? They fixed it. The next day, everything was perfect. Everything ran like clockwork. And um, so, and that's where you just have to go. You know what? It's the first time we got to figure yeah. stuff out, and they did. They figured it out right there. away. Exactly. It was totally trial and error. And I have to say there really wasn't that much error um, for it being the first time. And um, I, I definitely plan to go next year if, if it all happens again. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Jody, thank you so much for coming on and, and giving us your perspective about the GDF North America. It sounds like a wonderful event. I have to get down to Florida for a few more of these things. Um, yeah, where, where can, I, I where, highly recommend it. Where can people find you on the Internet? My website, com. Well, what a great interview with Jody Kelly. Next up, we have a trainer tip from Nicholas Fife, a Australian dressage rider based out of Wellington and also Canada. Well, Nicholas, we're so happy to have you on the show this evening and really looking forward to hearing your perspective on this week's trainer's tip about how you hold a balanced position. Can you get us started? Thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I, yeah, this is what I want to talk about this evening. Uh, I think everyone's already heard about why it is really important to have a balanced position as a rider, and we all know that it really def- affects the um, how effective our A's are as a rider. Um, I just wanted to talk about how I actually maintain an effective position myself. Um, I think I'm at a little bit of an advantage because I get a lot of practice, and I ride about 10 horses every day, so I certainly get enough time in the saddle and uh, that's something that uh, a lot of the adult amateur riders find harder because they may be only riding one horse a day. Um, so it is really important that they maximize their time in the saddle when they're on that one horse. So first of all, I, I get a lot of practice. Um, but I was actually a competitive gymnast when I was younger, so I'm 
fairly aware of my own body and I know when it's right and I certainly know when it's wrong. Um, so when I'm feeling unbalanced in the saddle or I feel some asymmetries or something's just not out, not quite in alignment, then I try and work it out in the gym and um, I spend a fair bit of time doing yoga, not as much as I would really like to um, when, when it gets really busy in the season right now, but I try and do a couple of sessions each week. And if I feel like I can't fix it myself in the yoga studio, I um, take advantage of the fact that we have a in-house Pilates instructor at Still Point Farm where I'm based. We're really lucky. And um, she stretches me and pulls me and puts me back into position. And that, that seems to really help me find my position back to its balance and center of gravity. Excellent. Do you have any more ideas maybe while you're, while you're riding? What can you do to kind of become body aware or a little stronger in places where you need to be? Yeah, I constantly check. I constantly analyze how I'm sitting. And I, I always, when I'm teaching and when I'm writing, I like to think about what it would look like if, if someone took a bird's eye view photograph from, from the rider from above. And I always like to think that I would be perfectly centered over the horse, that I have a seat bone either side of the horse's spine, that my spine is positioned perfectly vertically in line with the horse. And I, I always try to think of what the view would look like from above so that everything is in perfect symmetry. And I just constantly remind myself to think how, how it feels to the horse with, with the way we sit on them and how we can sit in a way that we make, make, make it easier for the horse to travel. I, I have to remind myself about my position every day. I, I worked very hard to get a nice position, but it, it doesn't just stay like that. I, I constantly have to work on it all the time. Well, and I, I love that comment because I think it's it's a struggle for all riders. You know, we all work every day very, very hard on our position. Um, and I, and I like I liked how you said that you did a lot of work in the gym and yoga and Pilates. Um, how do you make that a priority in your schedule? Because you have such a busy schedule. And that's that's a really good question, and it's something that I find very hard to do. Um, it's easier for me when I'm in Wellington than when I'm based in Canada for the summer because when I'm in Wellington, everything's much closer and concentrated here in Florida, so it's easier to get to the gym um, because it's much closer to home. And also, I find if I... Um, I just go to the general yoga classes at the gym and if I, I decide that if I'm going to book a, a, a an appointment with my Pilates instructor, I feel if I'm investing some money into it, I know I'll be there and I know I'll put all of my energy into it. And, and that's how I really get committed to it. Once you invest some money into something, then it makes you work that little bit harder at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's harder to cancel when you're, when, when you're going to lose that, that little bit of money or, or whatever. I think that's important. No, I think exactly. the three main, the, th- the three main areas, you know, like I think getting instruction, you know, the use of mirrors when you can use them and um, maybe some videotaping is three ways to really work on your position. Do you guys have anything anything to add to that? Maybe, Nicholas, you can talk and then Reese. Yeah, I, I, I utilize all of those things. Um, but I think, I, I just think that eyes on the ground are really important. I don't think I ever ride unsupervised. I certainly would never ride with anyone on the farm, just purely out of a safety aspect. Um, but I very rarely ride a horse without someone watching me. Um, and I know, I know I'm a professional and I do this for a living, but I still think that it's, it's that important that I, I ride with supervision uh, every day so that I, I do stay on track and that I, I, I do maintain a clear system in my training. Yeah, I think I, I agree. Um, you know, sometimes when, when I'm in Kentucky, I don't, and, and I'm not able to have instruction all the time. Um, but I'm lucky my sister, uh, we've talked about her on the show before has ridden Grand Prix. So if I really feel like I've got something not going well, I'll call her out or my mom. Uh, I also have my assistant trainer who can come out and say, Oh yeah, Hey, it looks a little this way. Um, so I think utilizing the people that are around you, um, for, for the, the riders that, that can't get instruction, obviously that's the best, but for sure having people around that are watching and, and, and are taking care of your position. Uh, I think I, every lesson I teach, try to give each of my students a little tidbit of, on their position, say, okay, you need to move here. You need to be there. So I think just also us all paying attention to the detail of the position is, is critical as well. 
Yeah, I, I agree I don't with think, you. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you have to have a a, a world class trainer all the time, but just a riding buddy to say, "Look, you're really leaning to the left," or you know, just a reminder to that because I think we can all kind of get into riding, you know, figuring, trying to figure out the horse so much, or just trying to make the horse have you know, the perfect shoulder in or the perfect half pass that we don't realize we're leaning over to the side or, or something like that. Yeah. I agree. I've, I've spent much time when I was based in Australia riding on my own. And I think sometimes there's, there is a benefit in that because it gives you confidence to make a mistake and work something out on your own and you can, and you can really figure out this problem on your own because there's no one else there to help you. Um, so there is a benefit in riding on your own and I just think it's important that you don't do it for extended periods of time. Um, but as you said, even if it's just a riding buddy watching, I think just the fact that you have someone there overseeing your riding is going to make you ride that little bit better, put in a little bit more effort and, and go the extra mile to improve. Oh, absolutely. And then just like you said, the extra effort, I think I always tease my students that, um, you know, I'll, I'll give them a lesson and they're like, wow, you know, I just can't live without you. And I, I tease them that it's job security, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's very true. You know, I think we all have to focus on that. And, and as, as students and, um, Nicholas, how often do, you know, in an ideal world, how often would you do, you know, your yoga and your Pilates and your different type of exercises? In an ideal world, I would uh, I would work out at at the gym four times a week, and two of those uh, sessions would be yoga sessions. The other the other sessions I do honestly are just weight training, and that, to be honest, is not so um, for me. It's not so positive for my riding. I just like to look good at the beach with my shirt off. Nothing <laughs> um, wrong with uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> I like the honesty. I, that, <laughs> yeah, it's good for you. It's very good for your core strength. Um, I would like to do yoga at least twice a week. Um, but the other thing that's really important for me to sit really well is that, that I'm not exhausted. Um, when I'm really tired, I find it really hard to maintain a great position. And I really find that I need one day in the week where I don't ride a horse, where I really have time for my body to relax and to rest. And then normally that's a, mo- a Monday when I'm lucky. And then on Tuesday, I get back on the horse and I'm feeling good to go. But for me, it's very important to get enough rest. Oh, I, I second that. I, I also need a day uh, for my body and, and my mind to, to not, not sit on my horses all the time. So, um, But Nicholas, this was such great insight on, on your riding and, and how you take care of your body to be the best rider that you can be. Um, how can we find you on the Internet? Uh, you can go to my website. It's www.nicholasfassdressage.com or you can find me on Facebook, Nicholas J. Fass, or follow me on Twitter, Nicholas Fass. Do you want to give us the spelling of your last name there, Nicholas, just, yeah, that's, just in case? Uh, F-Y-F-F-E. That's F for Foxtrot, Y double F for Foxtrot E. Well, that was terrific. What, a, what three enthusiastic guests you had here today. Wonderful guests this week. Yeah, yeah. Oh, This was fun. I enjoyed because I also wasn't, you know, we weren't there, so it was, it was really fun to get a firsthand take on on all on everything. So that was fun. Well, we had a uh, post on Facebook. I have to read to you. Remember, Rhonda from Canada, one of our legacy listeners, was complaining because I couldn't say G U E L P H, golf or golf or whatever it is. And then right, she right. what? Stop. What? It's Guelph. I was supposed Guelph. to tell you. Guelph. Why is there a W in it then if it's Guelph? <laughs> because it would be weird, GW. Okay, well, this is what she says. Thank Philip. Thanks, Philip Parks, for not only did you teach Glenn how to pronounce, apparently not, uh, Guelph properly, but you hit the nail on the head with your explanation of the significance of Guelph to us Canadian horse people. Well, there we go. Guelph, it's a great place, and it has a great school, and Glenn will learn <laughs> one day. Oh. Maybe we should go there. We need a Maybe field trip. Go. Let's just a field trip to Guelph. <laughs> yeah, that's it's what we need. I don't know what you're going to do. Yeah, not it's this time summer. of year. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful town, though. It's great. Okay, so who will win the Masters? I'm taking a look at our Facebook page, and um, boy, a lot of people saying Heather and, and Paragon, Stefan Peters, Peters, Heather, Lyle. 
Oh boy, I don't know that anybody's getting it right. Um, it's U.S. love. Stefan, Swedish Yeah, I know. Yeah. Stefan or Hatt, nobody got it actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, next good. time, this is what you get with. I horses think next year Bobby. maybe Legolas will be the uh, will be a yeah. winner. Or Aragon will be a little, you know a little more a little more seasoned and uh, and you know you can you can bring the championship home. This is here. why the house always wins when you gamble. Yes, this is why, right here. This is why I'm not a gambling woman. Is it gamble from your heart horses. and not from not from the statistics? Is that All right. Now, one other thing before we go, uh, did you guys see the uh, Budweiser? That Budweiser has a new Super Bowl commercial. Did you see it? I have not seen it. I oh, can't. it has a baby. It's so cute. You have to go. Oh. You have to check it out. It's it's uh, all over Facebook. Game. I, you know, I like to watch the commercials during the game. Right? I know. Well, that's the only thing yeah. that usually in a, in a Super Bowl is worth watching. But, um, <laughs> but I uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it was really good. And remember, last year they didn't have one. And they got so much crap about it. That's why they did one this year. So. <laughs> well, we have a little horse show. There is a, a horse show in the, down here, a little schooling show that I'm taking Denali. Baby D is going to go uh, do right. a, a little schooling show. Uh, but also fun. there's a, yeah, there's a Super Bowl party at the horse show. And you know you are in Florida. You have a big screen? Yeah, I, I'm not sure, but we're going to go to the horse show Super Bowl party. How, so can, you, I, how can you have a Super Bowl party without showing the game? <laughs> uh, yeah, they've got to show the game. I've got to be somewhere. I will let you know, but but that's our Super Bowl plans down here. Is is that the horse show? How cool is that? So now, do you drink before you ride at the Super Bowl party, uh, or the game's late? Or does a it? horse open a keg and? and... <laughs> Hey, I have a minor. He's only four. He can't open it. Oh, he uh, he's not allowed to drink. But you have to tell us how that horse show Super Bowl. Is. Do will... you guys watch the Super Bowl in Canada? Of course, no, the whole world it. watches the Super Bowl. Yeah, I just I'm a checked. football fan, right? Remember, I told yeah. you guys, I had yeah, a fan team and da da da. So. Yeah, you're not a soccer fan, if I remember right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know anything about soccer. Yeah. Well, I hope everybody has a great Super Bowl. Be safe. Um, be happy. Be healthy. Have fun. Um, and we look forward to hearing and talking with you next week. Uh, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests at on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com, and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Equestrian Collections and Kentucky Performance Products. And don't forget to check out all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week. 